On a Sunday morning in Las Vegas, happy belated Thanksgiving to everyone out there. I'm Brian Feldman, and this is Out of Line. We are here live in the Fox Sports RCG Home Loans, powered by Luminate Bank Studio, every Sunday at 8 on Fox Sports Radio 98.9 FM and 1340 AM flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights and sister station of Raiders Nation Radio. The we also includes social media director Spencer The Wiz Ostrovsky. Nobody beats the wind. Nobody beats the wind. And producer Chris Magnum Chapman, who aside from producing and being a part of several shows here at Lotus Broadcasting, Mags also serves as the locker room reporter for the Vegas Golden Knights Radio Network. We are also streaming on the LV Sports Network, and you can watch the show on Facebook Live and Twitch. The page is called Out of Line. That's O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Out of Line Fox LV. And since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sports RCG Home Loans powered by Luminate Bank Studio Line is 702-876-1340. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. What's on yeah, tap? there wasn't much to today's game, to be honest with you. I don't think there was a ton of chances either way. Um, they capitalized on the one that they got there. Um, power play didn't come through. Uh, weird game. Um, you know, these ones are tough, obviously, coming back from a long road trip. But, uh, you know, that's how you go into the third. got to be able to you know, at least muster something. Um, I mean, it's the worst pain in the world. You work so hard throughout the week, dedicate everything to win. Uh, put so much time, sacrifice into winning. And then when you lose, it just, I mean, you know, you kind of look at that like it's all gone. Not gone, but it just hurts. It's, <laughs> I don't know, yeah, it's the worst feeling in the world. You just heard from uh, two guys that you're somewhat familiar with and uh, talking about losses last night. Um, one at uh, T-Mobile Arena. The Vegas Golden Knights and the one at Allegiant Stadium, a real tough loss for a lot of people around here, although uh, nothing to be ashamed of, and that was a loss at Allegiant Stadium by uh, UNLV. What's on Tap is brought to you by title sponsor RCG Home Loans, powered by Luminate Bank. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own, RCG Bank, uh, powered by Luminate Bank, uh, is a company to turn to for all your home financing needs to get information or to get questions answered regarding anything mortgage or real estate related. Contact the pros at RCG Home Loans, powered by Illuminate Bank. Once again, on tap, we will talk about uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, not the worst road trip ever. They came out okay out of the road trip. Uh, didn't really have a great return last night to take to the road for a couple more games this week before coming back to uh, T-Mobile again next Saturday. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Got some tape for you and some stuff we got in the locker room and post-game press conference last night. Also, UNLV uh, loses a game that would have cemented the regular season crown for the Mountain West Conference, and it would have also cemented them being 
play, having home field advantage basically by hosting the Mountain West Conference Championship game. We are still waiting. It's supposed to be decided at some point this morning. There are three teams tied with a 6-2 and two record in the conference. You have UNLV, you have San Jose State, and Boise State. UNLV and Boise State did not play each other. Of course, San Jose State won by six points yesterday. The word has it UNLV is way in front. We'll talk about that again in a little bit, uh, but they do have what we understand the inside track to getting to the Mountain West Conference Championship game when we're going to be joined by a former UNLV quarterback and former co-host of this show, Caleb Herring. He's also the color guy for uh, UNLV football over on our sister station ESPN Radio here in Las Vegas. Uh, Caleb's going to join to talk about that as he is now unseated as the last quarterback to take UNLV to a bowl game. Uh, we will also be talking to a guy named Steve Wright when we do the Bones today. Steve is a uh, former offensive lineman in the National Football League. One of his three stints was with the Los Angeles Raiders at the time. Uh, Steve recently wrote a book that we are going to talk about and uh, Steve will promote the book but um, he's going to talk to us also today a huge game for the Raiders as they host the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Raiders with six losses now in the season probably can only afford one more in order to make the playoffs. That would mean uh, they've got to win basically uh, what is that six or seven games and that would start with uh, the Chiefs today at home. That's going to be a tough a tough road to haul but we'll talk about that also. UNLV basketball who are they what are they well we'll give you our opinion on that in a little bit and uh, we've got another week in the NHL and NFL and our pick segment uh, Mags is still leading the way I came out with a win and uh, we'll find out how the scooper our pros doing and of course uh, Spencer as well all that's coming your way here on out of line and that is what's on tap so again if you are looking to buy a home or to refinance the home you currently own or have any mortgage or real estate related questions contact rcg home loans powered by luminate bank today guys uh wow all i can say is wow what a long weekend thanksgiving uh first of all before i get into any of this man let's quickly get around here mags how was your thanksgiving man did you have a good turkey day yeah ours was fine we we, we generally go low-key um my son was with his mom, so it was just myself, my wife, and my mom and our dog. Um, so we just ordered takeout, and we we eat at home. No cooking, no nothing crazy like that. Takeout and, traditional Thanksgiving or takeout just regular? No, food? no traditional Thanksgiving. Okay. We we go to I'll plug it Lucille's up at Red Rock and uh, great stuff. We've done it. God, I want to say like maybe five years in a row. We've we've done it where one year we went, but the last few years we've just done takeout. Um, I used to deep fry a turkey and all that, but it's just so much work for just a small household. So um, we don't we don't do the big. We used to obviously growing up as a kid, we'd have a huge Thanksgiving where go to my grandparents and all that, and of course they're all long dead, so um, those traditions die with them. But you know, we 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 get like I said, we go low key. I watched the parade. I watched a little bit. Well, I turned the Lions game off after uh, the first quarter. And then I watched the Thanksgiving Day Parade, which is my tradition as well. Even when I lived overseas, I found a way to watch that damn parade. I can't. Yeah, it's, I, uh, I, it's, I can't quite put my finger on why, but uh, yeah, it's it's my thing. It's part of the tradition, man. I went to I went to Austin. My son was going to be alone, dog sitting. It was supposed to be me, my daughter, my grandson, and uh, her boyfriend were going to go. Her boyfriend ended up having to work. They just got a house together a month and a half ago, so she didn't want to leave him alone for Thanksgiving. So it ended up me being going down to Austin, spent um, Thanksgiving with my 
my son, which was pretty cool. We uh, He went and got everything, like, not catered, but everything brought in. So we had to cook the turkey. We had all the fixings, but everything was prepared. It was kind of ready for us. You just kind of had to heat everything up and cook it. So it wasn't too bad, and it made it easy. And I definitely way overate the entire weekend. I was in Austin, I should say, the entire time there. And uh, came back yesterday, had to immediately get out of my car, had Steve Marsh pick me up, take me to the uh, to the to the Rebel game. Right, we go to the Rebel game. Um, we'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, he had probably one of the best interviews I've done in a long time with Ricky White. You know, I've been wanting to talk to him forever. He was in the post game presser, and after we got done with the interview, Steve realized his audio did not work on the headset he set up. I got the whole video about two and a half minutes without any audio, and it was such a good interview with Ricky White because you know he's a transfer from Michigan State. But we'll talk about that. It was still cool getting a chance to talk him, and I can kind of fill you in what Ricky and I talked about as well. And then I went right from that game over to T-Mobile because you had the uh, you know you had the Golden Knights playing the Arizona Coyotes last night. So I went straight to that game, get home, went right to bed, and slept for about four hours, get up and start preparing for the show today. I'll get home. I already showered this morning. I'll get home. I'll change my clothes, and I'll head to Allegiant Stadium for the Raiders game. Doesn't yeah, stop. We may have to do the same exact thing next week, depending on if UNLV's hosting. A lot, even more, because I'm going to the Pac-12 championship game, Ooh. too. So I'm going to have a, a couple of long weeks. But you know what? Whenever I complain, my friends look at me sideways. Like, dude, are you serious? You know how much money we pay to do the same things you get to go to do and basically are making money doing it. So no complaints on my end. What I will say is uh, it was a good day, good weekend. Spencer, real quickly, man, how was your Thanksgiving? No, it was really good. I actually spent it with my girlfriend's family. It was the first time I've ever spent Thanksgiving my life away. Way from out of town, family. man. Yeah, we went over over to Florida, and it was really good. I'm glad I got to uh, know them more and – Definitely a very unique experience. You I was had very a, happy, very thankful. I'm glad you and Megan got to go out there see see her parents. I'm sure they loved you. And uh, and again, uh, you didn't have snow in, in in Florida. You had nicer weather than probably the rest of us did. Houston is very similar to Vegas right now. I should say Austin weather wise. But um, uh, we'll get into Spencer. Uh, you know, I do want to talk about uh, you know the Golden Knights now and nightcap. But um, uh, before we get into that, man, uh, play what Jonathan Marshall had to say, and then you can go ahead and jump into nightcap. I mean, everybody gets excited to play against us, right? We're, we are we're one of the good teams in the NHL, and it's not always going to be a, about rainbows and butterflies. And uh, right now we're going through a tough stretch, and teams are ready for us. And it's, we're a measuring stick for them. For us, it's it's not good enough, and we get uh, we're a little sleepy during the games. And uh, tonight, it's, uh, it's unnecessary loss. Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game. It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. And uh, the puck has been going for a little bit now. I guess we're about uh, 25, a little more than 25% of the way through the NHL season already. It's amazing how time flies. We're in the back third of the NFL season or getting to the back third. We're already a quarter of the way through the uh, NHL season. And the Golden Knights right now, the number one team in the Western Conference, 14-5-2 after last night's regulation lost. Came late, uh, 0-0 for most of the game. Another shutout against the Golden Knights. And these things over time are problems. Now, what what are the basic problems? How do you fix them up? You know, you could definitely see after last night's game, 
in the post-game press conference, Bruce Cassidy was not happy. And, uh, you know, he Bruce Cassidy is one, he does not pull any punches. He never really points fingers. But you could hear in the post-game press conference his disappointment. As a result, the offense has dried up. And until they're willing to get back to basics, we can't sit here and tell you we're going to come out of it tomorrow the next day because it's a certain way to play. The ice is available in front of you. You take it, you make your plays. If it's not, you go put it behind them, put it in a good spot, get it back. That's been our team for, well, since my existence here, and we've been pretty good. But right now we're not scoring. It's a lot of guys we rely on, not willing to do it. So until they start, uh, we've got to encourage them more to do it the right way. And we'll continue to do our part there. But at the end of the day, once they go over the boards, that's kind of what they, that, that's required right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's just saying that the bottom line is they're not putting the puck in the net. Obviously, they didn't score any goals, you know, yesterday night. And uh, one of the things I will say, and I discussed this with a few people, Eddie, I I talked to Eddie after the game. I talked to Steve Marsh during the game, a few other people that I had had conversations with. And, um, you know, it does make sense. After you go on a road trip, they come home Wednesday. They hadn't seen their family in about two weeks, close to two weeks. And then you see your family. You've got a big holiday Thanksgiving dinner. You probably have family in town for that. I know there's a lot of Canadians on the team, but I think when you've been here for a while, everyone celebrates Thanksgiving. And um, so, I mean, you have Thanksgiving, but either way, you hadn't seen your family in a week. A lot of these guys have young, really young children, and you you just get lost in it for a second. You look and you say, oh, we're playing Arizona. We just come off of a big win against Dallas. And this is kind of a trap game. When you when you look at what defines a trap game, I would say a game last night is a perfect example of what a trap game would be. It was for the Golden Knights. They played really well, and they got the victory. And that I mean, see, they got the loss. They didn't play really well. They they played decently enough to keep it to keep it at bay. But they did play well. They outshot Arizona really well in the first two periods. Um, and they just couldn't put the puck in the net. What we're understanding, and and I know we got Caleb on, and I want to be quick with this segment today. But Chris, the one thing that 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 you see from this team, you know, as as they play and they get going on in the season, is um, you know all, a little bit of lethargy. But not just that, the, 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 what I see is opponents. It seems like every goaltender, and Jonathan Marchso talked about it, is up to play the Golden Knights. You're playing the reigning Stanley Cup champions. And we have seen, especially on this road trip, it seemed like every goaltender from Washington to Montreal, they just stood tall against the Vegas Golden Knights, and we saw it again last night. Well, what you laid out before that were excuses. I don't, I don't care that you just came home off of a two-week road trip and Thanksgiving and all that. The bottom line was you were shut out twice on that road trip by pedestrian at best goalies. A yeah. couple no-name guys shut you out. You come home for the first time in two weeks and you get shut out by another no-name pedestrian goalie. That's a problem. That shouldn't happen to the reigning Stanley Cup champion. We'll see what happens. They got a really tough road trip now to Western Canada. They're going to see Edmonton for the first time in a couple nights. They're in Vancouver. Calgary's think, playing real well. I think well. tomorrow Vancouver is really, really good team. Right on their heels. Yeah. So you don't have an opportunity to overlook anybody at this point. And when you come home for your only game in about nine, I think it's nine games, where eight eight of nine are on the road, your one home game to come out and get shut out by a, by a bad team, that's just garbage. 
Yeah, They've got to be better. I'm not They've got to be better. I'm not going to disagree with you, and I understand what you're saying about goaltenders that are pedestrian at best, but up until last season, no one would have said anything better than pedestrian about a guy like Aiden Hill. Guys can step up. These are NHL goaltenders, and I think they do get juiced to play the Golden Knights. You always do. It's a parameter. that, like, As Jonathan Marshall said, it's a measuring stick, and the Vegas Golden Knights failed with that last night, and I'm not using it as an excuse, Chris. That's not what I said. Um, I'm saying that talk to other people about it, it is something that you No, no, see. You, didn't, you didn't say right. it was an excuse, but the reasons behind it no, to it, me... No, it, it is an listen, excuse, I, but you're, I'm you're just You're a say, professional. Right, but you see it... Uh, my point is, it's something that you see traditionally. You see teams that do things like that. They're on the road for a little while. They come home and they have a letdown oh, yeah, because yeah. they're excited it, it, to be home with their family. It happened and, to them last year, yeah, too. Yeah, but, and I, so I think that... But, but you're right, it's but not an the, excuse. The, the problem is the one home game out of, out of nine. Yeah, that's no, I, the problem. I agree, and and then to go on the road as you just mentioned, Calgary tomorrow, who is going to be no pushover. They are playing good hockey. Edmonton is is up for revenge. Remember, the Golden Knights knocked them out of the postseason last year, and even though they had a really nasty start to their season, they still have two of the best goaltenders in the National Hockey League on that team in Leon Draisaitl and Connor McDavid. And then you've got them going to Vancouver, who is the right now one of the better teams in the NHL. And what's the reward? They get back next Saturday to play Washington who just beat them on the road as well. It's a tough road to haul, but these Vegas Golden Knights, again, they will be fine. They have so many skilled players, and they really are as deep as any team in the National Hockey League. It was funny. They finally get everyone together, and then, of course, you lose Shea Theodore and Alex Martinez last night, and so you're back to pricking up players, but you're not hurting when you bring in Pahal and, and Ben Hutton. These guys are, are guys that have played a lot of hockey, and they're they're tuned up, and they are NHL-ready without question on a lot lot of other NHL teams, they'd be playing full-time. Listen, guys, let's move on. I know Caleb uh, Herring is on the uh, on the line with us right now on, on uh, StreamYard, and Caleb, of course, former host of the show. I, that's not his claim to fame, though. Caleb, the last quarterback before this season to take UNLV to a bowl game, um, and Caleb, firsthand in the, in the, up in the box, of course, calling the game with Russ Langer, the color man, has seen this game, this team firsthandedly in every game to this season. Caleb, first man, welcome back, and sorry, we're not popping champagne this year. Well, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you popping champagne? There should be champagne flowing in the studio. Every I day. have I have a special bottle that I opened up every year for you, man, in honor of you. Because I know secretly you and your wife weren't buying champagne to celebrate. Not no other team go, but secretly you had a bottle of Asti Spumante. I'm not going to say that you didn't some sparkling wine or something. Uh, hey, hell of a feat back in 2013. One of the most magical seasons. I told you after the game when I saw that game against Central. Still to me one of my best memories watching a team come back that nobody gave a shot to that went to a bowl game. Well, this year, Caleb, I'm not going to say similar to that 2013, a whole different dynamic, but you get a guy like Barry Odom that comes in. I think every one of us really liked the vibe around this guy right off the get-go. He just was a no-nonsense, honest guy. And, you know, from the very first luncheon, Caleb, I know you weren't there, but I got to see this guy before he ever coached a game when he first arrived. And at the luncheon, he said, listen, guys, I'm not here to talk about rebuilding. He goes, I'm here to win football games because the bottom line is, in three years, if I don't put together a winning program, maybe less, I won't be here anymore. I never heard a coach come out like that. I mean, we all know that's the brunt honesty, but it's nice to hear a coach acknowledge the fact, I'm here to win. Let's not talk about rebuilding or reshaping. And 
my God in heaven, man, if you would have told me that after this season, given me 9-3, and three, forget about yesterday's game, I would have told you, man, you're spending too much time at a dispensary. There is no way in hell this guy is going to make this team in a, in the, in, in a regular season go 9-3. and three. Caleb, what he has done, in my opinion, and I definitely want yours, is nothing short of spectacular. I, I agree. I, I think the first meeting I had with Coach Odom was after his press conference. We got to sit down and have a, a chat. Um, one of his first priorities was to get the alumni back involved. And I was obviously one of those. And he wanted to have conversations with myself and others who are part of the alumni association to start building traditions and, and get back to enriching the tradition around football um, at a major university, which is something that has been missing at UNLV. Little things like that. I think the subtle messaging that he had coming out of the gates was was evident of his head coaching experience. And I, I think um, it was taken for granted in recent hires. I, let's just be honest about it with head coach Tony Sanchez, a high school coach, no division one head coaching experience. Uh, Marcus Royo, a great offensive coordinator, great offensive mind in his own right, but no head coaching experience. Um, some of the things that he's done, like the luncheon with the press that he had in short order after he arrived in Las Vegas, are head coach decisions and head coach feel for the game as more than just x's and o's as as a process um and then to your to your point um he was one of the few along with eric harper the athletic director who said that this roster was good enough and i i felt that the roster had been good enough for the last four or five years to be in contention for the mountain west championship they they had talent on the roster um and a lot of the guys that he had success with are guys that were here that were a part of the roster that arguably the best defensive player who unfortunately got injured, Jeray Williams, has been with the program for a long time. John Baldwin was here last season. He's one of the high-impact players as well. So there's a lot of guys who are talented. Jay Maiava, the quarterback, he's he was a guy who's been in the program. He was recruited and, and, and committed under Marcus Arroyo. So it's not like the cupboard was empty. But his ability as a head coach to evaluate the talent that was available, recruit to the missing talent, um, and insert players at their best position and give them the best chance to succeed on the field, I think was uh, was bar none. There's some luck involved, and th- let's be honest, uh, Petrino was going to be the offensive coordinator, and I think NLV lucked out in Brent Marion as the offensive coordinator, the young, innovative yeah. offensive coordinator with a new style that fits this personnel and and really excited the nation in a lot of ways and his real chance at an offensive coordinator position um, at the Division One level. So there's a lot that happened that went into it, but the coaching staff that Coach Odom assembled and the trust and the head coaching uh, acumen that he's displayed all season long um, is second to none in the Mountain West right now. He's going to be a highly sought-after coach going forward, but he's the right coach at the right time for UNLV. And with the news this morning, UNLV will host the Mountain West Championship game against Boise State, which is just absolutely it, it, it's amazing for Las Vegas. I, lo- I I don't know how to put it into words quite yet. I'll have to do some homework and, and write a script about this. But for UNLV in a single season to go from not making a bowl game to Mountain West number one and then hosting the championship game at Allegiant Stadium, this is kind of the vision that people have of what UNLV could be um, and how they could you know attract the attention and the eyes of the nation for the Mountain West Conference. A championship game at Allegiant Stadium for the Mountain West is is massive.
It's so unbelievable. I can't even believe we're talking about this, Caleb. It's the Mountain West Championship game, UNLV, when one season ago this team was reeling. Um, I, the only thing I'll disagree with you on is I'm not going to say Marcus Arroyo didn't have a good offensive mind. We saw what he was capable of at Oregon, but I would never put the word great in front of that man for anything, and that's just my opinion. Uh, he wasn't great with the media. He wasn't great at keeping students uh, at, in Las Vegas, from Las Vegas. He was given uh, the job when they were going to play in one of the most – uh, luxurious stadiums in the country right now and after post Fertitta Center thanks to Tony Sanchez so he had a lot of tools at his access and to my opinion just didn't do very much with them and you see what someone as you mentioned can come in have a lot of the same working parts uh, and you see the respect of this guy from Arkansas bringing guys like Jalen St. John with him and how about you know Jackson Woodard just a, the epitome of when you say a leader that's a guy like Jackson Woodard quiet demeanor, but just goes out there and leads on the field, and when he's got to be vocal, he'll be vocal, and I really like the kid. I like what Barry Odom has done overall, and you know, like I said, I mean, the sky's the limit for this guy, and you know what I said Caleb about Barry Odom? Number one, you, you mentioned Petrino. Just the ability to be able to have the respect of a guy like Petrino to, to agree to come here, even though he didn't, speaks volumes, and you know, this team moving forward, again, as I said, the sky is the limit and the problem is and I told the audience last week and I'm going to say it again people listen I love Barry Odom. I don't usually say that about a coach. Love the guy. I'm not going to fall in love with him or propose to him because just like if I was to do that with a very attractive woman, she's going to dump me. He is going to leave. He is going to break up with us. But you know what? Even if it happened after this year, Caleb, there better not be one naysayer. This guy deserves all the accolades and everything he has coming to him. He has been the epitome of what I think you've wanted, UNLV has wanted, the vision of a guy like Derek Harper, who I think is the best AD that UNLV has had at least since I've been covering the team. Um, he is everything you'd want. So yes, he is going to he is going to garner the looks and the attention of the D1 top power five conference schools and there is some big openings coming up this year. I hope we'll see him for another season, maybe two, but no matter what, he has proven that coaches do make a gigantic difference, Caleb, in, to a team. Because when you look at his players, and I've asked several of them this year, like, what's the difference? Like, a lot of them say, you know, basically plead the fifth. They don't want to put down Marcus Arroyo. But you can see him seething to do it. They want to. They're, they're so much happier right now. And I got a chance. Just talking about Barry Odom, before we let you go, too, I want you to hear this. This was Barry after the, the thing. And this is just the kind of guy he is and the way he handles things. Had been in this situation. Um very many times this year. That's a good thing. Uh, I hate it for for a team that, that I couldn't get it done today. Uh, we come up short. San Jose's a really good team. They're playing their best ball. And, um, you know, to come down in those in those moments and in those opportunities, uh, it's going to, you know, you got to battle back and forth and make plays down the stretch. And, and credit to them, they did and we didn't. And uh, as a coaching staff, we, um, you know, we hate it for for a team that we didn't get that win because of what was going into that game. Um, and now we have to leave it to chance to see what happens. And that's not a way we want to live, but that's uh, that's what we've earned. And uh, so as soon as they tell us, we'll get back to work as soon as we know what uh, what our future is. And, and uh, we'll rebound and regroup and find a way to go play winning football. Uh, we've got a locker room full of guys that are uh, you know, they're tired, uh, they're hurt, they're upset, frustrated. 
Uh, they also understand, I hope, someday they'll be able to look back and know that they went 9-3, uh, had a chance to uh, compete for a championship in the last weekend in November, which is a huge step for this program in the right direction. Caleb, is there any way to put more of a positive spin on a loss like that where everyone you know is heartbreaking? They, 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 you know, the comeback that they started to have in the fourth quarter was monumental. It was great. They just were too far behind the eight ball to make the full comeback. But Barry Odom finds a way to make it okay where you walked out of there and you didn't feel as bad as you walked into the press conference. This is the magic of this guy. The thing about it is I think I'm going to go opposite with you. I think as a player listening to him, what makes me feel okay about losing is that losing isn't okay by any means uh, with regard to how close it was, how competitive they were down the stretch. It doesn't matter. A loss is a loss. You take the L and I think you can hear in his voice, an authentic disdain for losing. And that's something as a competitor, I appreciate more than anything. I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm not trying to dance around the facts we lost and it makes me sick to lose. You can look at the players they're sick with losing. And I've been a part of UNLV locker rooms as a player where losing was acceptable. Maybe not okay. Nobody, everybody wants to win, but there's not a lot of people that hate losing. And I think that's the difference between a true competitor um, at any sport, at any level, is the the hate for losing. And I think even more evident is how he behaves when he wins. It's almost like routine. This is what's supposed to happen. I'm supposed to win. Uh, and I think the team and the city have sort of taken that and adapted that model, especially the, the people like yourself who've been in the pressers with him. And you've seen this attitude, win or loss. It, it's been the same kind of demeanor about winning and losing. Um, and Jackson Woodard has said it, the linebacker from Arkansas, he said it uh, different pressers where he said winning is the only thing that matters. And I think I enjoyed that from competitors on the field where losing isn't something you learn from. It's something that's unacceptable. All right. And that's that. I think that's the mindset that he's had and the team has had. So hearing the way they talk after the losses is encouraging because I know it really hurts. It, it really is uh, something that's not okay in that locker room. So they do everything they can to win and prepare to win week in, week out. They've done it nine times a season, one short of getting to 10, but the good thing is about the the way the season's gone. They have two unscheduled games, and that's a, that's insane to think of. Yeah. You know, I was I had to look at my calendar. I don't usually plan for UNLV football, and that's probably my fault. I don't usually plan for UNLV football in the postseason. Like as I'm doing my broadcaster and and setup, I got to start doing my studies up on the Broncos, who are going to be a tough opponent, uh, no doubt about it. They got a potential offensive player of the year uh, on their side at running back, so it's going to be fun. But but there's two unscheduled games, and and UNLV gets to play in them. Um, and still has a chance to determine how good that bowl game is going to be. And the winner of the Mountain West Championship game gets an automatic bid in the Los Angeles Bowl, the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. So that's something that's still out there, and, and we're all crossing our fingers for that. But 1-0, that's the mentality Odom's brought, and they're trying to go 1-0 this week at Allegiant Stadium. 12 o'clock kickoff against Boise State for the Mountain West Championship. It's, it's an unreal thing to say, but we're saying it here leading into championship weekend. Well, I'm glad you were the one that got to announce it. We were waiting for the announcement. I hadn't heard yet, so I'm so happy they did. I imagine right now I wouldn't want to be in a press conference at San Jose State because they are going to be salty might be the understatement of the century. And you're right, Caleb. Winning, you know, one of the greatest coaches ever, uh, Vince Lombardi said it a long time ago, winning isn't everything. It's the only thing. So I 100% get what you're saying. And the, the point is, is you he knows what to say after a loss just as he does after a win. And I think 
think that's what makes him great because, you know, he knows who's accountable. And believe me, he's talking to players that are accountable. But he will never throw anyone under a bus. He just does his job really well. And and like I said, it's going to be a sad thing to see him go. Last thing, and real quickly, I wanted to say, you talked about Jackson Woodard and how much this guy reminds me of you in a respect because you hated losing. And that was exemplified when you went up to Reno's coach after the game and asked where your cannon was. And you didn't do it in a friendly way either. This is Jackson Woodard after the game in the press conference talking about losing this game. Um, I mean, it's the worst pain in the world. You work so hard throughout the week, dedicate everything to win, uh, put so much time, sacrifice into winning. And then when you lose, it just, I mean, you know, you kind of look at that like it's all gone. Not gone, but it just hurts. It's, <coughs> um, yeah, it's the worst feeling in the world. The worst feeling with him. By the way, that C on his jersey was not for captain. That was for Caleb. They were honoring Caleb for not being able to play in an upcoming bowl game. Hey, Caleb, as always, uh, Caleb Herring, former quarterback at UNLV, former co-host of the show, uh, color commentator on UNLV broadcast on our sister station ESPN Radio for all the game day broadcast. Does a great job. And I've got, I know I've got Steve Wright waiting, but i got, I got to ask you, Caleb, a couple things before I let you go. First and foremost, man, that Air Force game. I was on pins and needles, as I'm sure you were, and I could hear you in the press box because I'm turning down the volume. Spencer sent me the feed, and I'm listening to you guys. Caleb, we were screaming the same thing. I don't like to blame referees and officiating for anything. I'm just damn happy they won that game because if they hadn't, it might have been the first time in my life that I seriously questioned some calls to say, wait a minute, how much did these officials want Air Force to win? Were their kids playing on the team, or are they former Air Force alumni? Because my God in heaven, there were some phantom, terrible penalties in that game. And I love the fact, brother, that you called them out on the air. You didn't sit and make excuses for the officiating or say, we don't, we don't want to use the officiating as an excuse. It was an excuse in that game. And you know what? That was the fortitude of UNLV to overcome the terrible officiating in that game. And it wasn't too great last night. And you made sure on Twitter to let people know that again today. So I will say this about the Air Force officiating. The officials in that game display the utmost respect for the U.S. Armed Forces. Uh, <laughs> there was there was some questionable things to say the least, and I will never pull my punches. Uh, officiating to me is a separate issue. I'm not ever going to blame the refs for why a team wins or loses, but the officiating is something that I think deserves more harsh criticism. It, it has such an impact on the game, the the momentum, the 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 situations that happen because of penalties or because of the lack of penalties, as we saw this week. And again, never going to blame the officials for taking a game. Um, we've seen samples like last week against Air Force uh, of a team overcoming bad officiating and winning. And I think that's always the case. I think you control the outcome as a player more than anybody else. So uh, never blaming the officials. But at the same time, I want to highlight that officials need to be better. They need to be held to a higher standard. Uh, to to have that kind of game with that kind of implications against Air Force and a, a little bit here against San Jose State at Allegiant, to have that kind of game and have that poor officiating, um, there are some some bogus calls that really don't have any explanation, any excuse for a, a paid official to be uh, making those kinds of mistakes in a, a high stakes college football game. 
I say absolutely 100% unacceptable. Down the stretch in a game when a team has fought as hard as UNLV did to come back. And you know what? It's not that you have to take that into consideration. Just be fair. That's all they're asking. Be fair. Call penalties. For God's sakes, Caleb, and no offense, I don't want to see eventually, and I'm worried about this in football, that eventually everybody's going to be hittable except quarterbacks. They're going to put flags on these guys. Sooner or later, that's what's going to happen because, my God in heaven, that one roughing the passer call was such a great form high tackle. That's what you're taught to do. The picture-perfect tackle, and they call the guy for roughing the passer. Please, we'll leave that alone. Very last thing, you got some guys up for awards on this team. I don't think that that Barry Odom will get National Coach of the Year, but I know he's going to be top five, maybe top three. I think the guy out of Arizona is going to get that. You know, unfortunately, after 19 straight field goals, um, Pisano missed one yesterday. I It hurt him, but what a great career, a short career he had here at UNLV, and a guy that is going to be considered for the Lou Groza Award. Again, he won't get it, but it's cool to have him considered. And then you've got Ricky White. This guy, if he is not at least third-team All-American, I'm going to be pissed off. He's got to be first team Mountain West. One of the guys you got to consider for Mountain West Player of the Year. His upside is so good. I know in the NFL he's kind of a tweener. Maybe he can be a slot receiver because he's got the speed and the skills in the hands. I know he'll get a look, but Caleb, I, I, I talked to Ricky yesterday. Unfortunately, my friend Steve Marsh did not get the audio. Great interview with Ricky where he talked about anything. The one question I didn't ask him, and maybe you can answer it, is why would you leave Michigan State when you were starting there? You had 163 yards against Michigan in a win over them, and you come to UNLV. He wasn't, it's not like he was a Barry Odom guy or played at Arkansas or Missouri or anything. He played at MSU. Why did that guy come to MSU? And for whatever reason, thank God he did, even though I'm a Michigan State alum. So I I think that goes back to relationships. I think a lot of people look at the glory of being at one of these major institutes. Um, I think there's a relationship that he had with uh, Harrison Bailey that they played in high school together. And I think that had a lot to do with why he came. Harrison yeah. transferred from Tennessee and maybe, you know, he was just a meetup spot for them. You got to give Marcus Royal some credit because he was involved in bringing him in. So that's uh, obviously what, um, but relationships, I think are part of it. A lot of guys go to these major universities and realize that maybe they're fit there uh, from a locker room, standpoint, from a society standpoint, I don't know you know, to Michigan State campus, but I've seen that it looks very cold there. I don't know. Maybe people don't enjoy <laughs> those kinds of things. I couldn't give you the exact reason why somebody would want to transfer, but um, I think what you learn in these situations is that you control your own destiny more than you know. Uh, it's great to go to the big schools and have the college experience, but if you want to play, you want to develop, you can develop your own individual skill set wherever you play. Um, and I think you, you can find good coaching wherever you go. Uh, but it's just a matter of how strong you are in your conviction, how, how serious you take your own self as opposed to the university. Um, there's a shift in college sports where your individual accolades and your individual drive are more important than the school you go to. It's a, it's a travesty that Ricky White is not a finalist for the Blitnikoff yeah. Award this year. He's got the most 150-yard receiving games at five. He's got another 100-yard receiving game this week. He's a thousand yard receiver first in UNLV history. He's got a chance with two more games to get the single season uh, receiving yards record at UNLV. He's been one of the most dynamic wide receivers all season long. Uh, why he's not a finalist for the Blinnikoff is beyond me. You look at the numbers of some of the guys uh, ahead of him in that race for the Blinnikoff award, and he's got better stats than all of them. Yes. I mean, there's not very many that have better stats. I know Marvin Harrison Jr. has had a fantastic year at Ohio State. No, no doubt in that. 
but it, it shows that there's some po politics involved with where you play when you're trying to get these individual accolades. He'll have a decision to make if he's going to come back, if he's going to try to throw his name in the hat to play on Sundays. Ricky's a that talented a wide receiver. And this is from a quarterback standpoint. He, I'm watching him in and out of his routes. He's got it. He's figured it out. He's got the hands to match as well. So uh, excited about what he's done and excited about what some of the other individual guys who aren't up for awards uh, have done. Jackson Turner had, on defense has had a, a, a quietly great season. Uh, Jackson Woodard at linebacker. He's special. Former walk-on at Arkansas. Born and raised a Razorback fan. He made a decision to, to jump ship and follow Barry Odom to Las Vegas, which I'm sure was hard for he and his family. But uh, like I said, that culture, that that attitude, um, the relationships matter. And Barry Odom had that relationship with Jackson Woodard. He built the relationship with Ricky White. And I think that's why he's seen such a spectacular year from both of those guys and, and from a host of other guys on the Rebel roster. No doubt about it. It's been an incredible year. He is Caleb Herring Fordham or quarterback at UNLV up until this year. The last guy to take him to a bowl game, the heart of Dallas, the heart of uh, Texas Bowl or Dallas Bowl, whatever the heck it was back in 2013. I know there's still little pieces of you on the cotton cotton bowl field from that game and also former co-host of the show here. Caleb, we appreciate you. I got to fly because I got Steve Wright holding on the phone. But the last thing I got to ask you, you know, I can't let you off phone. Have you finally forgiven uh, Bobby Houck yet? Never. <laughs> That's what I wanted to hear. We love him, Caleb. Appreciate you, my friend. Of course, uh, we'll have Caleb on again after UNLV wins the Mountain Conference Championship and, and uh, a bowl game. Thanks, brother. And that, once again, Caleb. Let's bring him right in, man. No, no further ado. Uh, sorry for keeping you holding, Steve. My former, my former co-host and I get talking, and you see what happens. And uh, Caleb, of course, is the uh, color commentator on ESPN for All UNLV good. football. And, All uh, good. A All lot good, of fun. Brian. Hey, really happy to have you on the show. First and foremost, Steve Wright, former offensive lineman in the National Football League. One of the teams played for the Raiders when they were in Los Angeles. Played with some pretty great players. And recently wrote, wrote a book, Aggressively Human, with Lizzie Wright. And I have to ask her is there's got to be a relation right lizzie related that is my lovely wife of 10 years okay yes. okay I, I figured that and uh i've read a little a few of the inserts i've also on facebook watched steve read some inserts to the book the one and only thing well there's many things that 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 i am looking forward to reading because i want to read the entire book but i saw the one thing steve said man the one of the worst things after the game was in the locker room when the press came in and i thought man that's what i do this sucks you know is steve even gonna like me and want to talk to me on the show but uh you know hey it's part of our job and I, you know, I say, Steve, all the time on the show, if every player did what Marshawn Lynch did and said, I'm only here so I don't get fined, you know, all these guys would make a lot less money because we'd have nothing to write about or talk about and the interest level would d diminish dramatically. We're necessary. And uh, I try to tell people, we, we, I don't like reporting bad things or saying bad things, but the people don't want to hear the fluff. They, hear, they want the players humanized. They want to know that they make mistakes just like they do and make you guys human. So the key is when you're in the spotlight, don't make catastrophic personal mistakes and then you don't get talked about that's that that's the key if you're going to be in the spotlight I understand especially in the world we live in today modern society everything is seen so if you do something bad you're going to get caught it's just that simple right and I, I i totally agree with you and we could not be anywhere like you say the salaries without you guys putting us up there um, and getting us out there uh, in front of the eyeballs my only thing was right after the game yeah. after you've just come from you know your your level of, of of stress and anger or joy or whatever it is is you're just peaking you get into the locker room now now you're back with all your boys and you're all hugging and jumping around or you're throwing stuff around and now you have a mic immediately stuck in your face my thing 
was just having the press room. File out, whatever you got to do, or at least give us time to everybody showers. But you're coming in and you ain't even taking your helmet off yet. And you're having a microphone stuck in your face. And thank God as an offensive lineman, it didn't happen to me too often, but I was feeling for the other guys. But it did happen to me. I may be a crucial holding call. So now I'm in the locker room and I'm bummed. And I've got, you know, the microphones. But so you're, you're, we couldn't have done it without you. I, I, we appreciate it. it was just like I said, it's interesting, and I actually enjoy the fact that we're we're we're, we're thought about. So that to me, it was a good thing. Uh, of course, again, once again, talking to Steve Wright. Uh, Steve, not undrafted out of Northern Iowa back in 1981. By the way, Northern Iowa, same school as Kurt Warner. For those of you out there wondering, but uh, played for the Dallas Cowboys, uh, the Baltimore slash Indianapolis Colts. Uh, of course, uh, played for the Oakland Invaders in the USFL. And the Los Angeles Raiders back to 1987 to 93. Um, I guess... uh Steve, long career at a tough position in the trenches. And, you know, it's not cliche when they say games are won and lost in the trenches. They are. And offensive linemen, you know, it's funny because by the general public, you know, that don't really know much about sports, you might think those are just the big dumb guys. And yet when you get to know the sport and you're intricate, usually those are the most intelligent guys in the field. Uh, and what the, 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 the things they have to do and the plays they have to run, the, the, the stunts, it's amazing when you look at the plays that are an offensive lineman have to learn for each game and realize how difficult it is to play that position, not to just have to be so cerebral, but then the physicality where there is major impact on every single play, unavoidable when you play in the trenches. Steve, your feelings, you're playing in the NFL for this period of time, which eventually led to this book. Yeah. Um, wow. Brian, you must've been an offensive lineman at some point in your, in your life. Um, yeah, it's uh, we're only looked at if we're for holding or jumping off size. But yeah, we've got to work. Five of us work as one. Um, when an audible is called and you're leaning forward for a for a smash mouth play right behind you, and all of a sudden it's it's an audible to a pass play. I got to just slowly sink back because I got to get back on my heels fast for a pass rush. Um, yeah, it's I, I would have never imagined. Um, playing in the NFL as long as I have. I was pretty fortunate, 11 years, uh, coming out of University of Northern Iowa as a free agent. One of three of us, uh, three of us out of 120 made the made the uh, Cowboys 1981. Yeah, and then just come on to have a, a really healthy, um, successful career. Um, and just my, uh, you know, being out here with the Raiders and playing next to Max Montoya and, Steve Wisniewski and Don Mosbar. Yeah. And then having an offensive line coach as uh, Art Shell and then becoming the head coach. It's, it was, it was just an absolute dream, you know, coming out here to play for the Raiders. Um, I used to pretend I was, I was out with Fred last night um, after his, uh, one of his foundation uh, deals, we were up doing a Q and A and I remember being back when I was a little kid and we'd throw a football out in the grass and I was going to be, Dave Casper, or I was going to be Blitnikoff or, you know, and then all of a sudden I'm, I'm, these guys are my, these guys are my buddies. I'm out having beers and dinner last night with, with Fred and Angela Blitnikoff and a few others, Morris Bradshaw. Yeah. It's, it's been a, it's been an amazing ride and I had to write about it.
extremely cool that you did. And, uh, and, and and before I talk about this Raiders team, and by the way, put in a word to Fred Bolitnikoff. There's a guy on UNLV's team that we just talked about with Caleb, Ricky White the third. He needs to be in the running for the Bolitnikoff Award. So I imagine if Fred made a call to the NFL, they'd stick him in the, the thing. Check this guy out. The kid's great. But realistically, before we talk about the Raiders, which were really limited on time, unfortunately, today, and I want to have you on again, talk about your book, Steve. Uh, number one, how people can go about getting it. And just if you can, cliff notes on what they can expect when they read the book. Outstanding. Thank you so much for, for pumping it. It's, it's my one and only. Uh, it's my memoir. Uh, it's called Aggressively Human. You can find it on Amazon. Best place to go is my uh, author page, writeauthor.com. I've got blogs from the last half a year. Every Sunday, I post a blog. A um, lot of photos, a lot of behind-the-scenes stories that that people never hear about. You know, like Howie dismantling Bill Lewis in practice and knocking him out cold, and um, you know, think things going on in the locker room that'll just bend you over laughing. But it's also too, it's just more than football. It's uh, it's it's what grew me into the the man I am. And I'm not say perfect or not, and it's I'm not. It's not a, a you should book. It's just how one man did it. And I, I think fairly successfully, but it's aggressively human is the name of it. And it's having to be super aggressive, you know, game time. And then coming back to have humanity and compassion and love and everything away from the game. Um, but then that mix now has also gone into the political scene. Everybody, you see most people get really pissed really quick or some are too soft and get stepped on. And so my thing is this, I call it the yin and yang. I'm a Buddhist and it's uh, it's a lot of stories of mentors, um, good and bad. You learn just as much from a bad mentor, seeing somebody like, wow, that is really a screwy way to live or how they're treating somebody. And it's the compassion and the empathy that uh, be, really became a, a theme and the, the spine to my, my, my book. But uh, Amazon, it's on there right now. I recorded the Audible um, seven and a half hours. Uh, it's got an uh, ebook and hard and soft. And yeah, it's a, it's really, it's, it's really, uh, it's, it's a fun read for guys and girls and for parents, you know, working with, working with their kids, how to get the mindset. I had Mike Ditka as my, um, special teams coach when I was with Dallas and he'd throw his arm around me and take me for a walk when I get me frustrated because my offense, he goes, the offensive line coach is driving you crazy, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. And no, I was just so mad. He goes, Steve, this is what's going to separate you. He's going to yell at you. Deal with it. Figure it out fast. And little things like, hey, everybody here is getting paid. This, you, you know, this is going to separate you. Figure it out and figure it out quick. And there's so many other things. There's just there's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, uh, mentors throughout my life that helped me in my business career, bringing the the sideline missed fans that you see uh, oscillating, cooling the players. I brought that to the NFL in 1990, turned it into a killer business, cooled the 96 Summer Olympics, had them on U.S. Yeah. aircraft carriers. And um, I was in 1,500 Home Depots with all my misting. And this thing all just kind of came to be. It's just, I wasn't trying to do anything. I was just trying to cool the Raiders sideline. All of a sudden, <laughs> it turned into this crazy business. So, well, keep I, your eyes open. Keep your eyes open. If there's an opportunity, I got an opportunity down at Fox Studio when I was down there with Howie. I met the uh, casting director for Survivor, and she said, "Why don't you come on and give it a try?" And I come season down season twenty-two. 
Yeah, season season twenty. Season I know 22. you were you, you were there, and you got you actually got yeah. Redemption Island. You got to go to Redemption Island. Lasted a day there. Listen, Steve, I hate to cut you off. We are running really low on time. Right That's the one thing. But I, I want to tell respect. you, we're going to have you on again because yes, yeah, Steve, the, the cooling system. He also invented a toilet seat. That's a conversation for another show as well, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. And I, again, I want to talk more about this. We will have Steve on real quickly. Steve, you got thirty seconds. I need your prediction on the game today between the Raiders and the Kansas City Chiefs and again 30 seconds what do you expect to see I'm going to be there and I, I cannot I cannot wait um, I'm just hoping Max uh, is out there on the field and just taking a couple plays of anything because he's 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 the draw if he's he's the moral support everybody's going to be jacked up when they see him out there just acting crazy um, it's going to be a battle um, it's it's you know that it comes down to like we talked about earlier the offensive line if the offensive line can can push the uh, the the Chiefs around and give uh, give our guy a, a little time. I, we might have a chance. It's it's going to be tough, but uh, they got to break the spell. I think the, the Chiefs are three and zero here. Um, Andy Reid's got our number. Um, Today's got to be the day. It's it's do or die today. I agree with you 100%. The key is to me the victory. Just shut, beat the Chiefs in the first half because they haven't scored a point in the second half in a month. So just win the first half and you win the game. He is Steve Wright, author, former offensive lineman in the NFL for several years and uh, for, author of a book called Aggressively Human, available right now on Amazon. Steve will be on the show again. Appreciate you, Steve. Thank you, Brian. Absolutely. We're going to quickly write in, grab in the scoop, man. We got to fly right into our pick segment today. Spencer, uh, literally 10 seconds on the Raiders, man. Your thoughts on today's game. Is there any chance of them beating the Chiefs? Because if they lose today, they pretty much got to win out to have a shot at the playoffs. Spencer, scoop it. Uh, well, no, I don't think they have a chance, but, you know, I'll be rooting for them. So that's about the best I can give you. I, I just don't think that, you know, Aiden O'Connell just seems like he's going to be a fan favorite backup to me uh, for the team, which is fine. And I think it's, like, really valuable to have a great backup. The Chiefs have had one for a really good time. Someone who can come in in a playoff game in a super emergency pinch and make things happen, I think that's something who Aiden O'Connell can be. But the Raiders are 100% drafting quarterback next year. I took the Raiders on the money line only for a friend out there, mine, a beer. I did it for you. Real quickly, let's get to the scoop. Last week, we went 2-2 two and two cumulatively. Scooper and Spencer took the losses. Scooper had Denver, minus 2.5. The Broncos did win, but they only won by one. The, the Wiz took the Commanders. In a, you don't take teams. That's why I say don't bet on bad teams. He took them 9.5 points favored over the New York Giants. They lost 31-19. Magnum holds the lead, 7-4. and four. He took Cleveland, minus 2 versus Pittsburgh. The Browns won by, one, by, by 3, so he got the win. And I had the biggest win of the day. I took the Jack- Jacksonville, who I knew was going to beat the bad Tennessee Titans, and Jacksonville won that game going away 34-14. to I knew they'd rebound after the San Francisco loss. Scooper, start us off today. Who do you got? Let's go with the Colts. The uh, They're coming out of the bye week. Should be ref- refreshed and refocused. Tampa Bay's got some injuries on defense. I like this Colts spot today. Colts minus 2.5 for the Scooper. Go ahead, Mags. You can go second. Well, I actually like the Colts as well for the exact. You can't take them. No, I know for the exact same reasons. But I'm going to stay in that division. The Houston Texans hosting the Jacksonville Jaguars. Look, C.J. Stroud, runaway rookie of the year right now. Biggest game in Houston in years. I like the Texans to upset the Jags. All right, Mags is taking the Texans. And Spence, who do you got? Are we allowed to go against each other? You can. Okay, I'm going to take the Buccaneers. I think they play up against bad teams, and the second they play an actually good team, they seem to fold. 
I, I, I don't, I don't, th- that game I'm staying the hell away from. That game's kind of scared me. And again, uh, I, I can see both sides, though, of that game. I'm going to go, I'm going with a good team. I'm going to go with the Baltimore Ravens. I think the Ravens, I don't care that they're going to the Chargers. The Chargers may be the biggest disappointment this season in the How National Football. How does that fo- guy still have a job? I, I, I honestly don't know, but I've got to take the Ravens. They're minus three against the four and six Chargers. The Ravens are legit and could very well represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. Hey, listen, that's it. We are out of time. I want to thank my guest today. Really appreciate former co-host and former quarterback of the Rebels, Caleb Herring, for joining the show. Want to thank Steve Wright for coming on aggressively. Uh, uh, just a, a great book. You def- definitely want to check the thing out. And again, you can see it on Amazon, Aggressively Human. And also, I want to thank, of course, Scooper. I want to thank our producer, Magnum. I couldn't do the show without the whiz. I'm Brian Feldman. This is Out of Line. We are here on Fox Sports Radio every Sunday morning. 8 a.m. Check us out next week. Who's going to be on with me? We'll let you know. One thing we do know, UNLV is going to be playing in the Mountain West Conference Championship game next Saturday, and that is football, people. Who would have figured? Listen, we're out. We'll talk to you then. Bye-bye.